This program is brought to you by SoundsTrue.com. At SoundsTrue.com, you can find hundreds of downloadable audio learning programs, plus books, music, videos, and online courses and events. At SoundsTrue.com, we think of ourselves as a trusted partner on the spiritual journey, offering diverse, in-depth, and life-changing wisdom. SoundsTrue.com. Many voices, one journey. You're listening to Insights at the Edge. Today, my guest is Tiffany Schlain. Tiffany is an Emmy-nominated filmmaker, author, and public speaker. Regarded as an internet pioneer, Tiffany is the founder of the Webby Awards and co-founder of the International Academy of Digital Arts and Sciences. She has premiered four films at Sundance, and her recent film, 5050, Rethinking the Past, Present, and Future of Women and Power premiered live at TED Women at 27 TEDx's globally and on Refinery29. It was the centerpiece film for the first annual 5050 Day, which had over 11,000 screenings around the globe, all linked together in an online discussion about what it will take to move to a more gender-balanced world. In this episode of Insights at the Edge, Tiffany and I spoke about her unusual approach of using short films as a centerpiece to a social change strategy and movement. We talked about her short film, The Science of Character, and also the social science and neuroscience behind character, how you can embody different virtues by working on developing specific character strengths. We also talked about her discovery of the importance of a technology Shabbat, a 24-hour period that she takes once a week, free from any screen time, and how this has been actually life-changing for her, and her view that we need to take an empowered view towards technology and recognize that it's an extension of who we are, not something separate from us. We also talked about a new film by Tiffany and her team on gender equality and the 50-50 day that accompanies this short film. It's April 26, 2018, and it's all dedicated 50-50 day to a day when we can explore how women can have not just equal pay, but equal voice and leadership in society. Here's my conversation with Tiffany Schlein. Tiffany, in familiarizing myself with your filmmaking, I had the thought, Tiffany's an unusual kind of filmmaker, some new breed of something like a social activist filmmaker, or what would be the language you would use for it? Hmm. I like a social activist filmmaker. I think I, I really view, it's my way to process the world and what I'm wrestling with and what I'm hoping we as a species evolve to this next level. And that usually involves the film is the starting point. And then I want to create a lot of resources and usually a global day uh, around it to kind of help it forward. So the film to me is always the starting point to something much larger. Um, yeah, so I think a social activist filmmaker works. I mean, I, I've never felt like I fit in. People say, oh, what kind of films do you do? Do you do you doc- documentaries? And even if you see my documentaries, they're very experimental. So I've never even felt like I fit in the documentary box. But I've generally felt like an outsider. But I, I like that vantage point. It's a good perspective on things. Mm-hmm. Now, you made a short film. You packed a lot into it called The Science of Character. And in keeping, Tiffany, with what you just described of linking a film to actually having a day of events and creating a movement, you've created a film called The Science of Character. And 
To begin here, can you tell our listeners about the science of character and the day that goes with it and how this could possibly be a movement to improve our character? Yeah. So I made this eight-minute film with my team called The Science of Character, and it really tries to visualize, visualize and articulate the social science and the neuroscience about how we can develop and build who we are. We can cultivate our character. And it's based on the positive psychology um, movement and research, which I was very excited about when I first heard it. And my mom's a psychologist. So, you know, I grew up with her getting her PhD and learning all about, you know, analyzing what the problem is in someone and trying to help them fix it. And of course, positive psychology came around, which was instead of looking at what's wrong with you, let's look at what's right with you and try to build on it. And also, what are the common character strengths and virtues across all cultures throughout all of history? And I was very excited to see these commonalities and the 24 character strengths and the different virtues, and I wanted to share that far and wide. So, and visualize it. Because it's very, you know, whenever you have a language for thinking about things, it helps you be able to understand it better. So I put the character strengths in a periodic table and we made all these visuals. And then we invited the public all over the world on their cell phones to answer fundamental questions about who they wanted to be in life. So we made this eight minute film. And I have to tell you my background way back, my whole other part of my career was founding the Webby Awards, which honors the world's best website. So I spent a big portion of my life looking at the potential of the web to what, what is the potential of what the web can do. So I've made many films and they've premiered you know, at Sundance or uh, in theaters or on television or whatever, all these different ways. And, and what I was really excited about is could we premiere a film on a global day? So let everyone around the world, they will premiere the film. We'll say this film's never been shown. Let's, how about everybody show it on the same day, which was the science of character, a short film. And then spend the rest of the time with materials that we made. We make uh, posters for their event with this periodic table of character strengths and discussion kits. And we'll have amazing speakers like Marty Seligman or actually a lot of people that have been on your show have been our speakers as well. And it'll be like the dream Q&A. Could this be done? So the first year um, we called it Character Day. And we had uh, 1,500 events all over the world. The next year, there was 93,000. And then this last September, there was over 133,000 groups all over the world that for one day, on the same day, talked about what is good character, what is meaning and purpose, what is the latest research and science around it. It was so wonderful, and it's growing. And the next one happens um, September 26th. And so I think that there's, you know, we're also distracted these days talking about perhaps not the best parts of humanity with the news and to have one day where we stop what we're doing. And, and these events happened in such a variety of places from schools to companies um, to community centers to people's homes. Um, we say we don't care any size, any place. It's all free. We're going to give these materials for free, but we just want to unify this conversation because as we know, there's nothing more powerful than being part of something larger than yourself, and especially about such an important topic, which is who are you? Who do you want to be? What makes life meaningful? What are the different theories about purpose? Um, these are such fundamental core questions of humans. So it's, um, it's very exciting to take it out of religion also and to make it open to everyone, whether you believe or you don't, wherever you fall on the spectrum. And let's have this unifying conversation about something really deep like character. How do you define character, Tiffany? Uh, the things that make you who you are. And when the outside world interacts with you, the choices that you make. And, and I'm a big believer that we're all works in progress. I mean, there's always things I'm working on, like everyone. And if the more you're aware of what are your strengths, what are the things you want to make stronger, what's the latest research, um, we want to unleash so much of the research so that you can have all the tools to develop who you are more. Now, Tiffany, you mentioned that there's both a social science aspect to understanding character and a neuro science aspect to understanding character. What's the neuroscience behind character? Yeah, I mean, I, there's so much research that proves what I think we intuitively know. 
but just like when we continue to do a practice, it strengthens the, you know, it, it makes it easier to do. And I think when we show the science and the neuroscience behind that, um, it goes into people's brains more deeply why it's good to do. So usually in all of my films, I also made a film called Brain Power that looks at early childhood brain development from birth to five years and the importance of nurturing a, a child and um, and the effects that can happen if they're not, if they, you know, feel neglected, what long-term effects that can have. And I'm always in my films trying to visualize and impress upon the science that we do know. Uh, again, to back up things that I feel like we intuitively know, but science is terrific that way. So usually my films have a mix of the, the social science and neuroscience available. So the science of character, um, it both talks about the social science about developing who you are and then any research that we know, where if it's the research on gratitude, how much it makes you feel better, sleep better, um, all of those things that we have so much research on now. Now, in this short film, you identify 24 character strengths. Can you give our listeners some examples of character strengths? Yeah, absolutely. And this is based on um, the work of um, Marty Seligman and um, Peterson. So this is, uh, they identified 24 character strengths that are across cultures and history that are universally valued and they lead to universally valued virtues as well. So it's everything from courage, creativity, curiosity, social intelligence. Um, and there's a list of 24. And the way that we have them on this poster that we give out to any event that has a global character day event. So they show our movie, they show this periodic table of character strengths. And you see that if you want to work on a certain virtue, that what you do is you um, can work on the strengths that lead to that virtue. I don't know if I'm articulating it well for those that can't see the screen where like the image, like it's so clear in my mind. So I hope that answer was okay. Maybe, maybe you could give an example. Okay, great. That's a good idea. So um, we have uh, this periodic table of character strengths because I loved putting the character strengths in a periodic table. So for example, if you wanted to work on the virtue of wisdom, the character strengths that you would work on are creativity curiosity, love of learning, and perspective. If you wanted to work on the virtue of courage, you would work on bravery, perseverance, honesty. And, and so like, each of the, the virtues, you kind of the strengths roll up into them. So we have this beautiful poster that breaks down each of the virtues. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, six columns of virtues. And underneath them, the different strengths you would work on if you wanted to aspire to that virtue. You know, I noticed just hearing the word virtue, and also for me, the word character, not quite to the same extent as the word virtue. But I have a feeling in my heart, just when I hear those words, a feeling of goodness and mm. a yes about wanting this to be at the center of a conversation. Just wanted to mm. say that. Yeah, I love that you said that. You're right. I think even the word virtue expresses, expresses a yearning. And I love this about humans, that we're striving and yearning for something larger and some greater understanding and some greater level of evolvement as a person and as a society. And I feel like those words um, really express that. I made a, we made a new film that premiered at last year's Character Day called 30,000 Days. And, you know, if you live the average life expectancy, which is around 82 years, that equals 30,000 days that you're here on this earth. And the film, it's another short film, it's 10 minutes, looks at the 3,000-year history of questions around meaning and purpose. And I had a screening last night of the film, and someone said, why do you have so many mountain and sky shots in the film? And I said, well, I think with meaning and purpose and these words virtues, they are about looking out at vistas and we're all works in progress and we're, we're constantly changing and our yearning and striving and what those things mean to us change. And then the meaning themselves change with time. And as you get older. So I felt like that was a great visual to express that kind of yearning for our higher self. You know, Tiffany, in one of your Ted talks, as you were talking about, 
your life and some of what's inspired you. You mentioned that there was a nine-month period in your life that you spent focused on thinking about life and death, that this was an intensive time. And Mm. could you share with our listeners a little bit more about that time, what was happening in your life, and also from thinking about life and death so intensely, what emerged Mm -hmm. for you in terms of what matters? Yeah, it was a very profound period. Um, I was incredibly close to my father, who your listeners might know. He was an author. Um, He wrote a book called Art and Physics, and he also wrote a book called The Alphabet Versus the Goddess. And he was a great thinker and um, is also a surgeon and wrote about the brain a lot and culture and many things. And uh, he, he got diagnosed with brain cancer literally the same week I found out I was pregnant. And he was given a diagnosis of nine months to live. And I, as I mentioned, we were so close. We talked about everything, including the meaning of life a lot. And here I was this nine, it was an exact nine month period. I had a baby growing inside of me. I was losing one of my best friends in the world. And, um, and then he died and my daughter was born within days of each other. And I, yeah, I thought about life and death all the time. And what are we doing here? What does it mean? And it was a real change in my life. That was actually um, right after my father died. Um, my husband and I, uh, we have two daughters. We decided to completely turn off all screens one day a week for what we call our technology Shabbats. And it was really after a lot of thinking about life and death and time and what are we doing here. And as much as I love technology, I mean, my whole career has been embedded in technology and the potential of it to bring people together. But I was also really really worrying about how much time we were spending on screens when we were with people we loved. And so it's been the most profound practice I've ever done. We're on our ninth year as a family. And now we have a teenage daughter and, you know, for every Friday night, you know, we have Shabbat. um, And I should tell you, I'm not religious, but I love the traditions and the practices around Judaism and a lot of the ideas. Um, But every Friday night we light the candles, we have people over and all the screens go off for a whole day. And it's just, you know, and that really stemmed from me thinking about life and death and meaning and purpose and time and what are we spending our attention on. And I, I feel like as a society, it's, uh, it's really off kilter on how much time we're spending looking at those screens. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting to me is that's a pretty simple act, simple but profound, having a technology Shabbat. Meaning you didn't, mm-hmm. you didn't like sell all your possessions and move something. Mm-mm. You didn't, it's pretty simple. You decided we're going to not be on our screens for a 24-hour period once a week. And yet you talk about it as such a huge lever of change. So huge. And, you know, that's an instance where now, of course, there's all this research and studies coming out about how bad it is for people to be on social media too much or technology too much. But that was an instance where I was trusting my intuitive instinct that it wasn't good because it was, you know, almost a decade ago. And that was right after the iPhone came out when screens were on all the time suddenly and you could take them with you wherever you were. And, and you know, this is not about, I see a lot of books out right now, you know, turn off screens during dinner. Well, yes, of course. Or, you know, these kind of detox info, fix, like quick fixes. And I'm really talking much more about a whole lifestyle change. And I'm actually working on a book about it because I feel like it's so urgent. Like I didn't intend to do that when I started it. I was just doing it for my own sense of balance and for my family and after coming off this really traumatic period. Um, but it is a way to coexist with technology. It's, uh, and, and the weekliness and the whole dayness of it is really key. I mean, Shabbat is a incredibly beautiful and powerful ritual. I actually think it's like the greatest gift of the Jews. If I really think about what it's saying, no matter what, take one day off and, put your mind in a different space, focus on what matters, be with family and friends and reset. And we are now living in a culture that's so 24 seven and there's no moments of reflection. We don't have that embedded into our lives anymore. So bringing back this ritual, which is a very old ancient ritual and really beautiful and updating it in these modern times um, has been really powerful for my family and I, and and now that I see my teenage daughter who's lived with it and just she treats technology very differently than I see a lot of other teenagers because it's like a part of her life that she gets off of it once a week. 
Mm-hmm. H- have you ever felt, okay, today's the day I'm going to cheat because, you know, XYZ just launched 24 hours ago and I'm getting all this feedback. I need to find out what's happening. Yeah. Well, you know, there's always like four or five times a year that I'm traveling to speak or something, or we're, we're traveling and we actually have to use devices to get to where we're going. So those are instances where it doesn't happen. And, you know, there was, I think, around the election when I was really frazzled, you know, I, you know, we're only human, there are moments, but I would say on a whole, if you look at the whole decade, nearly decade of us doing it, it's not, I look forward to unplugging. I mean, like, I feel like I suddenly have this protective layer around me where I'm not letting the outside world influence my every thought and mood, which is the way I think we've all become is we're, we're so influenced by every buzz notification. I mean, another thing I've done, even for the other six days, and I did this after the election, is, and there's no notifications on my phone, only for voicemail, which is usually my family. But there's nothing telling me about a news alert, a tweet, a post, a nothing, an email. I just, I, I couldn't let that, it, like, influence how I was existing. So, um it really does carry on for me the other six days. Like it's this one beautiful, I mean, what's the one day you want to feel long is Saturday anyways, because it's your day off usually. Um, and it's a really reflective day for me. I just love it. So, um, I don't know. I just, I am very excited by it. And it's a lot about character. I mean, we're talking about practices that we know are good for developing who we are. I really gain perspective on those Saturdays. I usually do a lot of journaling then. And I get that perspective that I often don't have when I'm just, constantly responding in response mode all the time. One of the things, Tiffany, that was surprising to me about the science of character was that you talked about encouraging people to go with their character strengths, to focus even Mm -hmm. more on their strengths. And that was surprising because I've been working on my character weaknesses. And, you know, here it's it's true, we talk about it as developing your backhand, focusing in terms Mm. of, of you know, just using a tennis metaphor, at work with other people, you always have this forehand, like, you know, I'm always leading the meeting or doing this or that. But instead, I'm going to focus on developing more of my listening skills and etc. So why do you think it's good for people to focus on their strengths? And what about focusing on our weaknesses? That's so great. That's so funny you just said that, because I just was reading an article by the VIA Institute, which does a lot of work around character strengths, and they call it your signature character strengths, or like your core ones. And the the subject, the header line was, should you focus on your signature character strengths? So the thing, like, if you're really enthusiastic or really creative or really curious, those are your signature ones. And let's say the ones you want to work on are patience or kindness or whatever they are. And the article said, which are more important? And it said, both are important, but your signature signature strengths are a little bit more important. Hmm. And I think it's just a flip of... It's, it's acknowledging the things you do have going for you, that those are your superpowers. And first of all, when you acknowledge, like, that is a great character strength, like enthusiasm. Like, I'm a very, my mother used to call me Miss Enthusiasm when I was a kid. So I'm very enthusiastic. But I thought, okay, can I try to bring that enthusiasm? I have it in my work, but could I try to bring it to my workout? <laughs> and, and it's fun if, if, what's what's interesting to try to do is take a strength and move it into another area into your life. So it's using your superpower and spreading it further. Now that's not to say that hate, like working on something that you want to, there's all there's, and for character day, when we have this big global day and we have resources available all year, we show you how you can develop like certain practices, tools, books, films that help you develop strengths you want to. And we have a whole website that shows you by strength, what is out there. And those are also important. Like for me, patience um, has been one that I have been working on my whole life because I'm very impatient, which I think is a good quality for getting things done. But as I've gotten older, I've really wanted to cultivate patience. So I really try to sleep more, which really makes you more patient. Like when you haven't had enough sleep, you're more impatient and edgy. And so like that was a simple way to try to strengthen something that was weak in me. And there's other things like my texture bots that has made me just more reflective and, and patient. So um, I think they're both important, but I think the big reframe in thinking is don't just focus on what's wrong with you. I think most people do that. You know, they'll, they'll hear the one thing that's wrong with them instead of if somebody gave them like five compliments or 
things they loved about them, they'll focus on the negative. And so it's just reframing it to focus on the positive, which is why it's called the positive psychology movement, I think. I don't know what the official reason is, but it's just reframing the whole thing to be more positive. And I think about that in terms of the gender equality movement, too. We have another global day we called we do called 50-50 Day. And I think in the women's movement, often we come from a place of scarcity, talking about we're not this, we're only this percentage of this. We're in, and for 50-50 Day, both the film that I make and the way we frame everything around the day is coming from a place of power. And um, we made a 20-minute film about the history of women in power that starts when women were goddesses, which was 10,000 years ago, but we were in a very powerful place in society. And we're just getting back to where we rightfully, like, a true balance. So I think it's a, I, most of my work, if you saw the through line, it is about reframing to a more powerful, positive space. Okay, let's talk about being positive as a character strength. That's one of the character strengths, yeah? Um, is that an actual... I don't think it's an actual strength. Op- optimism, optimism. Optimism, right. Okay, right. So, but, so but having right. an optimistic viewpoint. Uh-huh. So, so I noticed yeah. that's, that's not a character strength that comes naturally to me. So I would hmm. love to know how to develop that more. Mm. That's a great question. Well, um, my husband and I joke that we're opticists or skeptimisticists <laughs> because... Well, I sound very optimistic. I'm also, all of my films have a lot of history in them. I like to ground everything in history, which usually makes me a bit more skeptical, but I'm always hopeful. And I think the reason is, is that at the core, I believe in humanity. And um, I was just part of this book that came out called The Good Fight. And it went through every major social issue in America. And it went back a hundred years and looked at where we were 100 years ago to where we were today. And they had me write the chapter on getting to, on, on uh, women's rights, so gender equality. And on every issue, whether you're gay, black, Jewish, uh, a woman, you know, they go through a disabled, we're much better off today than we were 100 years ago. So I think whenever you're feeling really pessimistic about where we are as a society or on an issue, it's really good to have the perspective of where, we, where were we 100 years ago. I mean, me being a a Jewish woman as a film director running a film studio. Like, I am so grateful I'm alive today that that's what I'm able to do, that I have a, a partner that's a participatory parent and I'm, we share parenting and, you know, it's not all perfect, but wow, how much better than a hundred years ago. So I think I do get optimism there. And when I look at history, I do feel like we are evolving. And ultimately I believe in human desire and yearning to be better and want a better future. And that's where I think that's universal. And I think that's where I, ha- I get hope from. You're listening to Insights at the Edge, produced by Sounds True. We welcome you to learn more about our collection of more than a thousand learning programs and receive three free gifts just for visiting us. Go to soundstrue.com backslash free. That's soundstrue.com backslash free. And now back to Insights at the Edge. Now, you mentioned that it's a very positive thing to admire character strengths in others. So I can admire your skepto-optimism with emphasis on the optimism, and that's going to help me. So why is this so helpful to admire the character strengths in others that you wish? It actually makes them stronger if you tell them. So not only should you recognize your own strengths, but you should verbally recognize the strengths in others. It'll actually make the people around you stronger. So it is like you are acknowledging and appreciating and calling out that strength. I love your curiosity. I love your optimism. I love your social intelligence, whatever it is with your partner or your friends or your family. It actually, it will make them feel stronger about that. So it has this ripple effect and we're all part of an ecosystem. So no one's in an island, so the more you can do that and people around you can do that, the more you're going to strengthen everyone. Now, Tiffany, you, you mentioned that you have a new film 
and that associated with this film is 50-50 Day, where you're focusing on creating gender parity and equality. This 50-50 Day is April 26th, 2018. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit, what happens on 50-50 Day? So 50-50 Day builds on the model that we built with Character Day, which as I mentioned, you know, our fourth annual 50 uh, Character Day was last fall, and we had over 130,000 event groups sign up to host events. So it's very exciting, the scale of it, the sheer scale of that many groups showing the same film, talking about the importance of meaning and purpose. So we made this film, 50-50, which is a 20-minute film that looks at the 10,000-year history of women in power and asks, what is it going to take to get to a more equal and just world? And the film came out two weeks before the election. And then the election happened, and that was pretty hard. And um, I remember waking up the next day and being like, we're going to do a 50-50 day, you know, because we have this model now for centralizing an, uh, a global conversation about an important issue. So last year we had the first annual 50-50 day. It happened in May, and we had everyone show our film 50-50. We made cool posters about all the issue, intersecting issues involved and discussion kits. We had amazing speakers, everyone from Ava DuVernay to the president, woman president of Iceland and Malawi. And this amazing, amazing array of speakers. And there was 11,000 events. And this year, it's April 26th. I encourage all your listeners to sign up. It's free. And they get, they get to show uh, the film 50-50. We have a new film coming out this year called What If? And it, it asks, what would the world look like if both elected officials and companies and media truly reflected the population. Um, I'm always trying to say, what could it look like? What, what, where could we go? And there'll be amazing speakers. Um, and we already have, I think it's 23,000 groups signed up. So uh, people can have it at their company, at their school, in their conference room at lunch, at their home. But, you know, we think there's real value to people around the world on the same day talking about the same subject and you can have it any time of day, but you'll, you'll be able to tap into this live stream of amazing speakers. And it's this very exciting day to talk about an issue that as we know right now, a lot of stuff is coming up around gender equality with the Me Too movement. And it's, uh, it's a complicated issue and we want to create a space for men and women. We don't call it women's 50, 50 day to us. It's, it's an everyone issue. And we create a really exciting framework to have a really meaningful and important conversation. And our films have a lot of humor, and we, ha we try to make the issue as accessible, entertaining and, uh, as possible because there are many parts to it. And one of the most exciting things that happened this week is that the superintendent of all California public schools just sent an email to every principal in a, who runs a school in California to, to do a 50-50 day event, K-12, which is so huge for us because... We know all of this starts should start so young, this kind of reframing and education. So um, we're really excited about that. I think that gender parity is an issue that's important to so many people. And when you say, yes, we're a lot better off when it comes to women's empowerment in the world today than we were 100 years ago, people will say, yeah, that's true. And we have a long way to go. Absolutely. When you yeah. imagine that long way to go and how individuals can make a difference in that, what is it mm -hmm. that you see in your vision of what if? Yeah. So a couple things. Yes, I'm impatient, as I told you. So yes, we've come a long way, but I'm very impatient for us to get there already. And, you know, I look to countries like Iceland that made it a law that women are paid equally. I want that. I want that here. That means we need more women, women running uh, you know, winning elections. And so there's a lot of levels to what you just asked. But I guess what I will say is that for 50-50 day this year, a, a big part of it are uh, we have this uh, action pledges we're asking everyone to make. We're making a really cool tool on the web that you can, like, we let you choose where you're coming in as, as an individual. I run a company. I'm a manager. I'm a stay-at-home mom, whatever, wherever you're coming in at. And we're going to give you five specific things you can do because everyone can make a difference in this issue from big to small. If you run a company, you can say, yes, I'm going to have 50% women on my board, but there's so many small, so many smaller things that everyone can do. And we're going to list them out. 
We're going to have people make pledges, put them on social, and then we're going to follow up with people. So every three months, you know, we're going to provide resources to help people achieve their pledge. And if they get stuck, resources to help them get through that. So, and of course, we'll give us a lot of research on this too. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. We've come, I think I like to feel like we've come a long way to feel that momentum at my back to give us the, the power and strength to take it all the way. Cause I, I, I want gender parity. I want women to be paid the same. I want them to be valued the same way. I want equal representation in movies, making movies on television. Um, I want equal representation in the history books. I want it all. And if you see my film 5050, you'll know how strongly I feel about it in the way that I go through 10,000 year history of this. And I go through each wave of feminism and, and the wave we're in right now, which is a lot about intersectionality, which is, a subject I'm super interested in, which is interdependence and connectedness. Every, all these issues are connected. And um, how can we be aware of them and help move it all forward so we get to where we want to be, which is a society where everyone is valued for what they contribute and everyone has equal opportunities. What do you mean by intersectionality? Well, it's a word being used a lot. It was introduced a while ago, but you'll hear it a lot if you, like you're in the women's space. But it's about intersecting issues the intersection of race and gender and all the issues. So you really need to think, if you look at our poster, if you go to 50-50day.org, which is where you sign up, you'll see our poster with, you know, I told you about the 24 character strengths. Yeah. Well, we have about 24 circles that have to do with what it's going to take to get to uh, gender equality. That's better for everyone. Um, so a lot of people talk about pay equality. Well, that's like one circle. The Me Too is talking about safety and violence. That's one circle. But if you go on there, we have five columns, economy, politics, identity, culture, and home. And within that, there are all these intersecting issues from pay equality to laws and justice to political leadership to media and technology to safety and violence to unpaid domestic work to gender norms to parenting. Like, there's so many parts to this. And what's really exciting is people got these posters last year, and they just keep them up in their coffee room all year round. And I have one on my fridge. And just good to interface with thinking about the intersectionality of how many issues are connected to this larger issue about gender equality. How did the idea for the 50-50 day and film, this being the issue that you wanted to focus on, how did that come to you, Tiffany? Well, a couple things. I mean, I felt really fortunate. My mom, um, total feminist, she was writing her PhD when I was growing up on successful women and their female mentors. So I grew up with her. And then I grew up with a father that, you know, wrote about goddess culture and patriarchy and how we are, women are shifting back in power. So I felt being a woman that I was incredibly powerful. And, um, and then you go into the real world and you realize how many women don't feel that way and aren't treated that way. And, you know, when I was running the Webby Awards, I used to be one of the only women in tech. Um, and I've never, never found that to be an issue, to be honest with you, but I felt like a moral obligation to, um, make it, make space for more women to feel that way. And then I was speaking at a conference and I met a woman named Laura Listwood and we were backstage and I, you know, and I feel like I know my feminist theory and I know my history around women's rights and everything. And I asked her what she did for a living. And she said, well, I convene women presidents and prime ministers for the United Nations. And I was like, wow, it's amazing. How long have you been doing that? She said around 20 years. And I was like, well, how many were there 20 years ago? Thinking there had maybe been, I don't know, a couple, five. I could think of Indira Gandhi and Thatcher. And, and she's like, oh, there was 15 20 years ago. And I was like, wow, how many are there today? Again, thinking the number wasn't that much greater. And she said, oh, there, there were 50. There's been 50. And my mouth just fell to the ground. I couldn't believe there had been that many. And then I proceeded to ask every single person I knew that question. And no one came close to the answer. And we're talking like people that ran feminist organizations, CEOs of big companies. No one knew the answer. And I thought, wow, we've been telling a story of scarcity for so long. Maybe we need to retell a story of abundance. And that set me down this path to go 10,000 years ago and look at the, rewrite the true narrative around women in power and what it's going to take to a more gender balanced world. So I made that film 50-50. I'd like to tell you now that that number is 70 elected women presidents and prime ministers, even though we haven't had one in our country. Um, 
But um, that inspired me to make the film to kind of rethink what we know and what stories we're telling ourselves and that we need to come from a place of strength more instead of scarcity. And like I said, the film came out a couple weeks before the election and I was so frustrated with the election. I thought I'm going to channel all my frustration into doing a global day about gender equality. What are the total number, if you know it, of presidents and prime ministers worldwide? Uh, I mean, if we're at 70 now, what's it going to take to get right. 50 Right. It's 50? still not, it's still like a 15%. I mean, it's not 50-50 by far, but it's a lot more than I thought. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, no, that's always the good number. You want both. But the fact that no one even knew the first sure. number sure. is just, and no one did. So I think it is about knowing our history. And, and a lot of history books don't talk about enough women, right? So history books are usually written by men. And so... It's just rewriting the narrative in a bigger way. And I am very excited about this election. There's, you know, and this is not a partisan issue for me. It is like an every person issue and there's more women running than ever. And you get more women in office and more, you know, people from underrepresented groups. You're going to get more diverse perspectives. You're going to get better solutions. And you're going to get more laws that support all these ideas about equality. Like in Iceland. You've mentioned a couple of times the importance of looking back at our 10,000-year history and a previous time when the goddess was worshipped and where women were respected and that were, to use your words, were coming back to where we were once 10,000 years ago. And, you know, I know some people don't believe that version of history. They're like, really? There was a time? Yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, I grew up with a father who wrote a lot about, I mean, he, his big question was he traveled all throughout Europe and what, what started him writing the book, The Alphabet Versus the Goddess was how was it that there was goddess cultures all over the world? And then what was the event that kept happening that switched it to patriarchy? Like what happened all throughout history? First women were revered and then it was patriarchy and all male gods. And what he looked at throughout all of history was whenever literacy was introduced, that seemed to kind of rewire people's minds into a more left brain. I mean, he's, you know, he knows that it's much more nuanced than left and right brain, but kind of rewiring society to be more patriarchal. And then he thought, and then with the advent of images that we're seeing with electromagnetism and with television and film and the internet, women are rising once again. And he wrote a New York Times bestselling book about it called The Alphabet Versus the Goddess. So these are the stories I grew up with. So you could believe or not, but personally, uh, there are definitely relics of goddesses. A lot of uh, cultures and in Native American cultures, there are still strong women at the advent stories. So um, I personally think I was raised with all these patriarchal stories. I much prefer thinking about women as goddesses because um, I've always felt you know, like the, the stories in Judaism, personally, it really turned me off because they were so patriarchal. Um, and I'm, you know, a cultural Jew, but those stories don't speak to me. One of the things I'm feeling in this conversation, and I want to admire your character strength here, is a, a character strength of tremendous creativity, Tiffany, that you have, and also underneath it, the love that I feel for being of service. And I would love mm. it if you would talk to someone who feels that love, that desire to be of service, but hasn't figured out these very clever and creative ways that you have, you know, putting together a movement on the internet and being able to be a filmmaker, but they have this desire serve our collective evolution in some way. Mm. Well, you know, there's a poster we made for the film 30,000 Days that I would recommend anyone listening that's searching right now for their purpose, which is what I think you're talking about. There's a, it was a really exciting moment. So we have the character strengths poster, which is based on the positive psychology for so the 24 character strengths. So in this film about finding meaning and purpose, on one part of the screen, we put the character strengths. And on the other side of the screen, we put a kind of a poster, if you will, of issues, whether it was the environment or education or justice or whatever that is. And we put them so they're almost like tilted towards the horizon. And what we said is, if you can match your strengths with the thing you're most passionate about, the issue that gets you most excited, that's how you're going to find your purpose. 
And this visual, like if you watch 30,000 Days, it's right smack in the middle of the movie. It's a very exciting thing to look at because if you haven't found it, it's a great thing to meditate on is to look at the strengths, identify your strengths, look at those issues, identify what you care most about and figure out how you can make that string between them and link it. And, um, you know, it's really exciting when you see someone have that moment or figure out how to make work not work. It's their passion or it doesn't feel like work. Um, and I feel very fortunate. I really do. I, I feel so grateful that I love what I do so much that I get excited to get out of bed in the morning and I want to help people find that. So that film was really my attempt. Well, actually, this, if it's a building block, the science of character is to really try to think about and break down who you are to identify those strengths and what you want to work on. And then 30,000 Days is really about how do you marrow those strengths to issues you care about. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Now, finally, Tiffany, I want to talk a little bit about the future of technology from your positive lens. I mean, we hear so much about the negative ways that technology is turning mm-hmm. us into an ADD culture, lowering RIQ, mm-hmm. making us crazy. And I think a lot mm. of people can appreciate your technology Shabbat. At the same time, you hold, I think, a pretty positive vision of the potential for mm-hmm. technology as a, as a tool for our collective mm. evolutions. Here's the thing. I really subscribe to Marshall McLuhan's view of technology, that it's an extension of us. It's not this other thing. It's what we've created. And so technology is us. And we are good, bad, and everything in between. But if we can continue to strive to our better selves, I ultimately believe that we will wrestle through this and it'll be used for good purposes. There'll always be this struggle because that's, that's the human struggle. But I'll tell you this one instance that happened to me recently that really made me just love technology all over again was uh, my family story that we grew up with is that, you know, my grandfather's family, he was the only one escaped out of Odessa and the rest died in the Holocaust. And that was our story. And I actually went to the Soviet Union in 1988 um, to talk about personal computers and looking for parts of my family that I never found. And then cut to... My father passed away. This was his father, who I mentioned was the only one that escaped. And we get an email. My brother gets an email from someone in South Africa. And I have an unusual last name. It's not common. It's Schlein without a C. And we we only know our own family of Schlein. And through the Internet, through a LinkedIn note, my brother gets an email. I think we're related. So to make a very long and beautiful story short, I just got back from South Africa with my sister last week where we went and met this, you know, went to the 80th birthday of this fabulous new relative named Avroy Schlein. My dad would have been 80 this year. There's this incredible Schlein family we had never met. And I am hearing so many stories of people being connected through 23andMe and Ancestry.com and that were, that were disconnected through the Holocaust or whatever it was, and now we're being reunited. And... And also on 23andMe, I recently found I have 0.001% Native American. I don't know how that's possible, but I loved knowing that. So every day there's things that just make me pause and go, wow, look at what this tool that we as humans have created is doing. And then on the same side, I'm going, look at what just happened with our election. Oh, my gosh. We need to talk about it. We need to wrestle with it. We need to figure out practices that not make it overwhelm our lives. And we need to do the necessary discussing and thinking about what is this thing that we've created and how can we use it for good and not for ill? Well, it's interesting when you make this comment, I think about it as a part of us. I notice that really changes the conversation versus looking at the instruments, whether it's our iPhone or computers or whatever, as something outside of us. Oh, it's part of us. Yeah, it's us. And then you stop. It's actually much, you have more agency in it. When you say, oh, it's technology doing something to us. It's like, you're not, something's doing something to you versus this is us. We're creating these tools 
it's much more empowering for you to actually go, oh, I'm going to turn off my screens one day a week, or this thing doesn't own me, it's me. And I can rise up and create boundaries and know when it feels good or when it doesn't. And I think it really is, again, reframing to a more powerful place instead of this thing that's taking over us. And yeah, my husband is a professor of robotics and, you know, there's a lot of fear. There's all these articles, robots are going to take over humans. They're going to get rid of every job. And he's the one voice saying, well, actually, no, that's not going to happen. I've been studying robotics for over 35 years. It's going to help amplify what we do, but nothing's going to replace being human and the qualities like empathy and taking initiative and cross-disciplinary thinking. And we made a film together about it called The Adaptable Mind, a 10-minute film that was shown for Character Day, which is a lot about that because there's so much fear about robots, which is really kind of an internal fear that we're not going to be needed. But um, again, if we remember how incredible humans are and the skills that make us human, machines will never replace that. Tiffany, what questions are you asking now? Um, um, I was recently asked to think about vision, my vision for the future and And I was thinking a lot about that we need more visions for the future. We need more what-ifs. We need more showing us what the potential could be. I think we spend a lot of time tearing things down. So I I think about that. Um, And then I do ask the question, I mean, I told you I'm working on a book on the tech Shabbat. And, you know, I used to be a smoker. It's nothing I'm proud of. But I did it to rebel against my doctor family. Um, And I did it in my 20s. And I, when, at the time that I smoked, everyone smoked. And right around the time that I quit was the first time, at least in California, that the law made it so you couldn't smoke in bars. And that was like one of the most fun aspects of smoking was the social aspect. And when I think about it now, you go around America and hardly anyone smokes. And that's a huge, that was a huge behavioral shift. I mean, you know, doctors used to smoke. You could smoke on airplanes and in movie theaters and And then now it's really changed. So that does give me hope in terms of um, the screen use. I don't think it's, I'm comparing the behavioral aspect. Of course, technology is something that has great benefits for us, but it's about coexisting in a more healthy way. So I do think about that a lot as I'm writing this book about shifting the way we do things. and, um, And can we rise up to create practices where we create boundaries around technology. Okay, Tiffany, and for people who want to participate in 50-50 Day or Character Day later in the year, how do they find out the details? Uh, You can go to letitripple.org, which is the name of my film studio in San Francisco, and there's links to both of those, and it just takes a couple minutes to sign up, and you're suddenly part of our community where we have these two global days. It's very fun, and... Um, you know, I would love for all of your listeners to be a part of it because the more people that are a part of it, the, the more powerful it becomes. Letitripple.org. That's a beautiful name. Thank you so much for your beautiful heart and your great work. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me, Tammy. And I love all the, the people that you talk to and your voice in the world. So thank you so much for having me. Tiffany Schlein, she is an activist filmmaker. That's my description of her. <laughs> She's created 5050 Day coming up on April 26, 2018. Go to letitripple.org for more information. Soundstreet.com, many voices, one journey. Thanks for listening. <laughs>